I think that's one of the misconceptions about melatonin. Somehow it got pigeonholed into sleep when it has so many other functions. You know, it's got like six different functions. It's an antioxidant. It's an anti-inflammatory. It's a mitochondrial regulator. It's a circadian rhythm. Uh, I would say also a modulator of that. Hey, midlifers. Welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife? Are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days? No matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover, job burnout, or you just have the midlife blues, I got you. Hey, I'm Wendy, your hostess of the Midlife Mostess. I too was hit by midlife like a freight train. I too felt stuck in the same dull chapter. I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body, how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. No matter if you just got served with divorce papers, got fired from your job, or ran out of gas in the pouring rain, bad days are bound to happen. They happen to all of us. The key is to not let bad days turn into bad weeks, bad months, and a bad chapter in life. Too many crappy days can lead to depression, anxiety, lack of sleep, poor behaviors, and one big funky funk. That's why I created the eight happiness hacks, a free download to help you overcome a bad day quickly and get you back to rocking your midlife. Please go to windyvalentine.com forward slash happiness to receive your free download and start applying these simple yet effective methods to bring happy days your way. Welcome back to the Midlife Makeover Show. Lately, we have been chatting a lot about taking care of our beautiful bodies at Midlife and beyond. On Monday's episode, we spoke with Dr. Kleonsky about dementia. And today, we are speaking with Dr. Minnick about melatonin. With many of us going through perimenopause and menopause, melatonin can play an important role in achieving healthy sleep and a healthy life. As Dr. Minnick says, melatonin is the molecule of consciousness and connection to nature. I can't wait to learn more. (laughs) As a fan of melatonin myself, I definitely want to learn a lot from today's show. Dr. Deanna Minnick is a nutrition scientist, educator, and author with over 20 years of experience in academia and in the natural product industries, currently serving as chief science officer at Symphony Natural Health. She has been active as a functional medicine clinician in clinical trials and in her own practice, Food and Spirit. She is the author of six consumer books on wellness topics, four book chapters, and over 50 scientific publications. You've been a little busy in your life. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Through her talks, workshops, groups, and in-person retreats, she helps people to transform their lives practically and artfully. Through nutrition and lifestyle. You can visit her at deannaminick.com. Dr. Minnick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Wendy. Good to be here. Yes. Got one of my favorite topics. 
I know. And actually, like, I love that it's a topic. I mean, melatonin just on its own. Um, I shared with you before we hit record, I'm a huge fan of melatonin Mm -hmm. just because it helps me get a really good night's sleep. Uh, I've been probably taking it for five plus years on and off. Um, So, but as you mentioned before, when we were talking that it's not just about sleep. It's not. I yeah. think, yeah, I think that's one of the misconceptions about melatonin. Somehow it got pigeonholed into sleep when mm. it has so many other functions. You know, it's got like six different functions. It's an antioxidant. It's an anti-inflammatory. It's a mm. mitochondrial regulator. It's a circadian rhythm. Uh, I would say also a modulator of that. You know, and, and the way that it, it's connecting into circadian rhythm is helping us to sleep. So it's connecting us to the nighttime or to the darkness. And by doing that, it's keeping everything else in check. All of the other hormones, it's keeping Mm. our clock genes going. So yeah, melatonin, I think probably for some of your listeners, perhaps they started to hear about melatonin during the pandemic when it started to be talked about as it related to the immune system. I don't know Mm. if everybody remembers this, but there was a lot of talk about vitamin D, melatonin, zinc, vitamin C, quercetin, you know, and I, as a nutrition scientist was thinking, wow, what what is all this talk about melatonin in the immune system? And so when you start to look at the literature, you can soon see that there is a strong connection to immune function. Mm. That's another, uh, yeah, just another aspect of melatonin that goes unrecognized. Silly question. What exactly is melatonin? It is, well, the name melatonin, is, mm-hmm. it, it comes from the person that discovered it in 1958. So mela mm-hmm. is referring to the skin because originally it was thought that it was a skin lightening agent. Interesting. And yes, it was discovered by a Yale trained dermatologist mm-hmm. who was looking for skin agents. And so he was looking at melatonin um, by way of some earlier research. But from a chemical perspective, what is it? It's 5-acetyl-5-hydroxytryptamine. So Mm. it is a a molecule and Mm. it is a neurohormone. And it actually flexes to beyond a hormone. You know, melatonin is produced widely in the body. And depending on where it's produced, it has a bit of a different function. It's the same molecule but it may have a different function depending on where it is produced. So um, yeah, I, I think that it, it's good to back up just with asking about what. Yeah, I know. It's probably a silly question, but I was like, oh, okay. No, I, think I, I think I know the answer, but. So it's naturally, it's in our bodies. Yep. Does it increase or decrease depending on what's going on in your life or by age or. All of the above. Yeah. So first, where is it found in the body? It's widespread throughout the body. It's in the water-soluble compartments like the blood. It's also in the fat-soluble compartments like the brain, like the skin. It's also found in the eye, in the liver, the kidney, the thyroid, the thymus, even skeletal muscle in the reproductive system. And then if you look at some of the fluids in which it's found, it's found in amniotic fluid, breast milk which also connects to women who are nursing their babies. And depending on the time that she might be nursing, the baby might be getting melatonin, which could inform Mm. the gut microbiome of the infant, et cetera. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's found in the in the saliva. It's found in the urine. It's found in feces. So basically the way it's measured, like if you were to go to a lab, as many times they'll take a urine sample and then that will give you a metabolite of melatonin, which will tell you about your metabolism of melatonin. And in some way you can kind of infer its production. Mm. So the two big places of the body where it's found would be the pineal gland, which is in the brain. Mm-hmm. And that signals melatonin production in response to the eyes perceiving darkness. Ah. So we start to produce more melatonin as it becomes dim throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So like at about maybe 6 p.m., we start to notice, depending on the time of year, it starts to get darker outside and we have what's called dim light melatonin onset. And the body gets that cue from the eyes that, okay, it's getting darker. So then the pineal gland starts to release more and more levels of melatonin to the point that in the middle of the night, like between 2 and 4 a.m., we have the greatest production of melatonin. That melatonin gets produced in the pineal gland, and then it gets sent systemically throughout the body to key into essentially the genes within the cells of the body that would connect to the clock genes. So Mm -hmm. what synchronizes the whole body from that perspective. And then the other organ that produces a lot of melatonin is the gut. And within the gut, in fact, you get more melatonin potentially in the gut than you do from the pineal gland. And within the gut, it's not a lot is known as to why we would find so much of this non-pineal melatonin, Mm -hmm. but you find it at every stretch of the gastrointestinal tract. So from it's in the esophagus all the way to the rectum. And it's been proposed that some of the functions of melatonin in the gut are possibly different than the pineal gland melatonin. So there could be a role for the immune system here because we know that 60 to 70% of the immune system is actually in the gut. It may play a role in some of the secretions of the gut, like the digestive secretions. It may change the motility of the gut and even modulate some of the microorganisms within the gut. So I think that there's still more to be learned there around why so much melatonin in the gut. But we actually know that you have serotonin in the gut. You've got a number of the neurotransmitters and hormones that are produced in the gut. So melatonin is not an outlier in that respect. Are there certain things that we do or don't do, eat, not eat, that can actually reduce our melatonin? Stress can reduce our melatonin. Yeah. So where does melatonin come from, uh, you know, when it's being produced in the body? It comes from the amino acid called mm-hmm. tryptophan. So tryptophan converts to serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter. Serotonin converts to melatonin. So there is this chain reaction and there are a lot of steps in between. So mm-hmm. we need nutrients for that reaction to take place. So anytime that we have nutrient shortages or we have lowered amounts of certain nutrients, we could impact that conversion. And Mm. tryptophan is a very specific amino acid in the body that is allocated to certain functions. And 95% of tryptophan goes down this pathway of creating energy. It's creating what's called NAD. So when we have more stress or we have more energetic requirement, we're going to move some of that tryptophan even more away from 
uh, making melatonin and potentially move that into energy. The other thing would just be dietary sources of tryptophan. Um, we, if you look at the dietary sources of melatonin, they're negligible. You know, you really would have to stack up. <laughs> we're talking thousands of cherries or thousands of pistachios to get an appreciable amount of melatonin in the diet. So mm-hmm. truly looking at something like tryptophan, uh, looking at that amino acid, an amino acid is a building block of a protein. So making sure that we do have healthy amounts of protein for our life stage. The other mm. thing that reduces it is age. So, um, and this is kind of one of the bases of our, our, our conversation today, right? So babies, you know, they start to ramp up in their melatonin production. So we start to see that a young child has mm. the most amount of melatonin that they're going to make throughout their whole life. So up until puberty, they have this increase. At puberty, now the melatonin that's endogenously produced by the pineal gland starts to be reduced. So that by the time we get to middle age, we are, we're significantly reduced. Now we're in our 50s. We're even, you know, we're starting to bottom out. We get into our 60s and our 70s and we're, we're extremely low. So it's been thought that the lower endogenous amounts of melatonin produced by the pineal gland with age, which has been referred to as melatonopause, like (laughs) menopause, andropause, right? Like we have natural decline, like we see with other hormones. And it's been thought that this in some way could be contributory or at least a factor that relates to diseases of aging, especially Hmm. diseases that would involve the immune system autoimmunity, or even um, cognitive brain types of issues. Uh, So, you know, just based on the research that we see the associations between melatonin status and different diseases, there might be some kind of contributor there. And of course, we look at sleep disturbance and how that starts to increase with age. And we see that as part of the features or characteristics of disease states like dementia. Right. Yeah, it totally, it, I mean, it makes sense, right? You're at midlife, you're in your 50s, you're going through perimenopause, menopause, you've got stress, you're not sleeping. I mean, and then it's just like this massive storm yeah. that it's hard to like get that under control. I mean, and I, that's one thing too. One thing I've learned in the last probably 10 years, how critical good sleep is. Yeah. Now I'm like so picky. I'm like, no, there's no way I'm sacrificing <laughs> my sleep. I'm like, because it'll affect my entire day, my entire week. And so now that's why I'm like, oh yeah, I'm definitely taking my melatonin because it, it helps me tremendously. Now question for you, is there such a thing as having too much melatonin? You know, there's a huge safety margin because melatonin Mm -hmm. is ubiquitous. It's found everywhere. It's found in plants. It's found in animals. It's found throughout our bodies. It's very difficult to you know, reach that threshold of having too much melatonin and Mm -hmm. that hasn't truly been seen. That said, there aren't good studies to suggest that taking double digit amounts of melatonin supplementally have long-term safety. So Mm -hmm. I do get concerned about, you know, taking high doses of supplemental melatonin over time where we just we just don't have the the science, the evidence, or the safety data to suggest that that would be beneficial. But mm-hmm. what I think is good, Wendy, is actually to think about, okay, as we start to come down with age, 
Mm-hmm. How do we replenish our levels? Can yeah. we just bump up? It's similar to, we might think of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, right? So like, right. we don't want to go supra physiologic. We would just right. want to go back into filling up the gaps of what we've lost and mm-hmm. how we get back to our middle age levels. I think that's reasonable and yeah. to be thought of as safe versus, you know, super high levels where we don't really know the outcomes of that. Yeah, I can be your guinea pig. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because I, I, with the traveling I've been doing lately, um, and I, they even say like to avoid jet lag, you take melatonin a few days before and then a few days after, right? And I was already taking melatonin, but I did ramp it up. I had, I did this one that was like 10 milligrams or something like that. I was like, okay, maybe it's a little too much, but it did help me. And I didn't have any jet lag this last yeah. time. Well, let's yeah. talk about jet lag for a second, because that's mm-hmm. kind of a, an acute state where a higher yeah. amount of melatonin could be warranted, right? That's just an mm-hmm. acute, that's not like an everyday amount of high melatonin. Mm-hmm. It is, and you know, the way I think about jet lag and one of the protocols for thinking of, you know, how to move your way through jet lag with less of kind of a bump in the road to your sleeping habits, right? So taking melatonin low dose, even before you travel. So Mm -hmm. taking like a 0.3 milligram dose, like Mm -hmm. three days before at nighttime, just like an hour before bedtime, just Mm -hmm. to kind of set the stage, get things going. And then you have your travel. Let's say you're going from Seattle to Stockholm. Mm. And when you arrive in Stockholm that night, now you take the higher dose of you know, typically what is recommended is between three to five milligrams. So you took 10, you know, yeah. <laughs> here. but you know, somewhere between three to five, three to six milligrams. Yeah. So take that at bedtime at the location of where you traveled to. And then you do that for another three consecutive nights. Now travel, mm. it's not only about the sleep. Travel right. is full of oxidative stress. It's actually very taxing to the body. Mm-hmm. So I think that melatonin serves many purposes, not just aligning us to circadian rhythm and the disruption there, but also to get us back on track with, you know, when we fly, we're subject to radiation. We're we're subject yes. to lots of flux of oxygen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just in Peru in December and I was just thinking like these high altitudes, ultraviolet uh, light radiation, yep. um, the stress on the body, you know, a little bit of stress in the body is good too mm-hmm. much. Stress, not so good. And we're, that's where melatonin flexes over to being a super antioxidant. What makes it a super antioxidant is that it can be in fat and it can be in water and not all mm-hmm. antioxidants can, can act that way. You know, vitamin E likes fat vitamin C likes water. Mm -hmm. They are important antioxidants. However, melatonin is unique in that it can be in both locations. And the majority of melatonin in the cell is produced by the mighty mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell. So the mitochondria is always harnessing the energy of the cell. It's producing a lot of free radicals. You know, you eat something, you eat a meal that's going to be shunted through the mitochondria for ATP or energy. And by way of doing that, you can actually produce a lot of damaging free radicals. That's why overeating mm. can lead to a lot of issues within the cell, right? A lot of oxidative stress. So melatonin is like this, the, the broom. It just comes mm-hmm. and sweeps up a lot of these free radicals. It cleans house within that 
mitochondria or within the cell. So when we're traveling, we might need a little bit more to yep. repair our systems. And this is also with age. As we get older, we're less efficient at those repair processes. Yeah. So thinking about, you know, melatonin, not just to help with sleep, but melatonin as that, I would say, again, it's smoothing the gaps of what we've lost so that mm -hmm. we can quickly recover, rejuvenate, especially at nighttime when the yep. brain is doing a lot of its detoxification. That's when melatonin is its highest. I can see then melatonin would really help with menopause. Oh, yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah. almost critical to... To, so, I mean, so how do you know how much to take and then how often? It's a good question. You know, there are some general principles for mm -hmm. just like if we just think of what we just spoke about, like, okay, middle age, we're getting older, filling the gaps. If, if you look at the trajectory of what we produce throughout our lives and replenishing, you know, on average, looking at that 0 0.3 milligrams to just kind of fill the gap. But in the case of more, like with jet lag or maybe shift work, or maybe like there are certain conditions, like there was a study in which the researchers used three milligrams of melatonin and mm -hmm. the, the women experienced menopausal relief from a lot of the symptoms that they were experiencing. Mm -hmm. So there might be cases, and you know, again, I think staying under that the double digits. So staying between, you know, the milligrams to, you know, to 0 0.3 milligrams to one milligram is a maintenance dose, you know, right. that's been often recommended. And then between perhaps one milligram to nine milligrams, depending on what you're working with there. And there might be certain stages of life where you just need a little bit more. There's another interesting study. Not everybody knows about this one um, in which they showed that during a full moon, and this, this study was done in a sleep lab, and it was a small study, but I thought it was really interesting because so many people report whether mood disturbance, sleep disturbance around a full moon. And what this research showed was that for four days before and four days after a full moon, that melatonin levels endogenously just plummeted. Wow. Like, and it wasn't in response to any light cues. I mean, all of those things were controlled for. It was very specific. And there was no other time of the month where you saw that, that dip, but hmm. around that full moon time is when melatonin just naturally goes down. So it's like, well, why does that even happen biologically? Yeah. So something like ancestrally where we needed, like during a full moon, we needed more vigilance. Yeah. We need to sleep as well. So all of which to say that there might even be times of the month where a little bit more melatonin might be warranted depending on the individual and what they experience. The other thing might be, you know, the color of one's eyes. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you have light colored eyes, like green eyes, blue eyes, light brown eyes, you would be more subject to the effects of artificial blue light at night compared to somebody with dark brown mm -hmm. eyes. So let's just say you work, you have a job which requires you to be on the computer with bright blue artificial light uh, into the, the hours of the night, or you're on your phone or you're watching television, you know, that bright blue enriched light, like that light is, is good in the morning. It's good for right. just, you know, we, we need the bright light early for melatonin at night, but we need the darkness. And so for somebody who is in a position where, 
you know, I don't know, maybe they're around artificial light, just through fluorescent mm -hmm. lights. They go to sporting events at night or they're in a gym. You know, this is the one I always think about, like all the people trying to get healthy in the gym and they're working out late at night, but then they're subject yes. to all of this interference yep. that is actually an endocrine disruptor. Yep. So in those cases, you know, it would behoove us to be doing what we can. We can dim lights. We can tone down the light on our screens. We can wear glasses to block mm -hmm. the artificial blue light. And so in doing that, um, you know, there, there are some workarounds there. So that yeah. And I, I have light green eyes and I definitely am very affected by light at night. Like I can't, and I try to be really good at that. I don't like scroll through Instagram and do all that stuff at night. I have to kind of like shut down and make everything super dark. I take my melatonin. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like this is like my sleep is so precious to me now. But oh, by the way, I think tonight's a, a full moon. I think you're right. I think I, it is. I, yeah. So we, we can ramp, like ramp up our melatonin. Do you ask yourself questions like, who am I? What is my purpose? Why am I living a life I don't love? Answers to these questions and more are revealed in the new Freedom at Midlife group coaching program, where I offer you a guaranteed roadmap to your own midlife makeover. In this powerful seven-week program, you will learn the seven steps to freedom method to help you discover who you want to become, what life you want to live, and most importantly, how to get there. Instead of being lost in life, miserable in menopause, or struggling to juggle it all, you could reignite your love life, retire that dreadful job, and reinvent yourself. So if you're ready to begin your midlife journey of transformation filled with accountability, guidance, and support, then the time is now. Your midlife needs you to make a move. The Freedom at Midlife program is opening for enrollment soon with limited spots available. To be the first to know when we are open for enrollment, please join the waitlist now at freedomatmidlife.com and you will soon discover that next courageous step in creating your epic second half of life. And you know what's too, what's so interesting? I was just thinking about this yesterday because I've been taking progesterone at night and I've like innately, it felt like, I wonder if I went off of this and if my melatonin is actually helping, because I know progesterone will like help you sleep at night. And as you know, it's like, it's all, they're all hormones, all like yeah. the melatonin is affecting the cortisol and the hormones, right? I mean, so right. I right. thought about it. I was like, as my own little experiment for myself, I was like, let me see if I just went off of that. And I just did, because I don't, I love supplements. I do. I've always, I was telling you before, I'm like, I'm always like, oh yeah, let me take this. I'll take that. At the same time, I try to simplify. I'm like, does my body really need it? Yeah. Right. I definitely know my body needs melatonin. I've known like for a few years now, I've known like I just do better with it. I sleep better. I have better days. I do think the one that I'm taking right now is too much, um, which so I'm excited to try the Symphony uh, melatonin. You have the three milligram and, and 0.3, right? Yeah. Yeah. Symphony yes. Natural Health does have a plant melatonin yeah. from chlorella, rice, and alfalfa. Mm. And it was tested in a cell, in a, a variety of cell assays, actually, just side by side with synthetic melatonin, because most people don't realize that 99% of the melatonin that's on the market is synthetically produced. 
Right. So it's derived from, you know, there's a chemical process in which that melatonin is created and, um, you know, basically extracted. And then that's what you have in the supplement. And sometimes there are sleep formulas that have melatonin plus a bunch of other things that could actually be impacting its metabolism. Mm. Melatonin um, is affected by a number of different things, like even caffeine can change your metabolism of melatonin and vice versa. So mm. I think it's really important to look at the quality. And I would say that about any supplement, quite honestly. And you know, there are certain things that you can take that are synthetic, that mm -hmm. there's basically no difference. Like if you took the synthetic form of a vitamin, a certain vitamin mm -hmm. versus the natural form, you wouldn't see a whole lot of difference. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I like about nature and I always go back to plants and nature and what are nature's principles is that many times you have things in that plant that come along for the ride that can amplify the activity of the active that you're actually looking for. So mm. in the case of the herbatonin, which is the plant melatonin from Symphony Natural Health, it's not just the extracted melatonin from plants. It's actually with a lot of the other things that occur naturally in the plant. So when you look mm -hmm. at it up close, you're going to see that it's green because uh -huh. it's coming from the plant. So you're going to get a little bit of lutein. You're going to get a little bit of other carotenoids. You're going to have some of the different vitamins and minerals, you know, not a large amount, mm -hmm. but you're going to have whatever was in the plant and those things together by way of it being in that complex seems to amplify its activity as was seen in this published study on its results. Wow. Yeah. You know, going back to what you were saying earlier about the full moon and how our melatonin drops. I mean, I think we sometimes forget that we are part of nature. You know, like I was even telling Dr. Klyonski earlier about dementia. Like we sometimes like we have to remind ourselves to go back to the basics. We are human beings. Like we're, you know, we're, like we're these, we're these creatures living on this planet earth with all the plants and the animals. And I, I, you know, you know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. we forget how actually simple we are that we need to go back to the basics. We need to go back to nature and go, okay, like, how will this work for me? Instead of like, we're so, you know, bombarded with all this information a lot. And it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, like, let's just go back to the basics. Like we are, I'm a human being, being human, you know? In many ways, we've overcomplicated life. And you look yeah. at a lot of the, the different, you know, you and I were talking about Portugal before we jumped on. Mm -hmm. There are many different blue zones, you know, Dan yep. Butner's work on blue zones. There are these blue zones where people live to be centenarians or they live to a long, uh, older age where they don't have a lot of health issues. And you can look at like, well, why is that? Mm -hmm. You know, I was just listening to a, um, a different podcast, you know, Drew Perot, it brings a lot of interesting people on. And he was talking about one of the factors of longevity is actually touch points of connection with people, community yes. connection, like meaningful contacts. Like, mm -hmm. do you have friendships and how often are you connecting with those people? So I kind of feel like it's like if we think of a triangle, right? Like that's why I would say like not for people just to jump to melatonin and take right. melatonin and think like you're going to solve all of your problems. <laughs> oh, shoot. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think of like a tree, right? Do we want yep. to address the, the branches and the leaves or do we want to get to the root? We want to ultimately yeah. get to the root. It's not to say that a melatonin supplement isn't advised or useful, 
Uh, what I think we can do is actually, while we're working on a lot of the root causes, we could be filling in the gaps and patching things up so that we have the energy to make those bigger life changes, right? Like in right. your case, like living where you feel the most energized, right? Not yes. everybody can do that. Not everybody can quit their mm -hmm. shift work job. So right. you know, they're going to need a patch. So yeah. I think, you know, it was funny because I was even talking with somebody not too long ago and they were talking about how they're watching television late into the night. And I said, you know, you're melatonin. And she's yep. like, oh, I don't worry about that. I just take melatonin. And I was thinking, you know, we make choices, right? And she's thinking yes. to take. So <laughs> I, I think it just depends where, what, I mean, so much of our locus of control in our choices of the ones that we do have you know, to really be thoughtful and conscious about those choices because they can inform so much about our physiology as well as our psychology. Yeah. Change our lives. And to be proactive about it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easier to prevent than to repair. And and I think a lot about nowadays for, for myself, I'm like, okay, I, I'm planning for my my 100 year old self, right? Like what is Wendy going to be like when she's a hundred? And I plan on being like my, my aunt Annie, she's turning 91. She's super healthy. She takes oh, nice. melatonin. She takes melatonin. She by does. The way. Oh, good. She does. <laughs> she, that's actually how I learned about it. I was like, melatonin, I'll take that. But <laughs> very healthy. She moves her body very much like the blue zones. Yeah. And so I look at that. I'm like, okay, I want, I mean, I'm 51. So it's like, I've got you know, 50 plus years left. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, you have to plan for that. Like we we're so used to in our twenties and our thirties planning for our forties and fifties, but then we kind of go, okay, well, we don't have to plan much anymore. Actually you do. I mean, you, and health is number one because yeah. I mean, if you don't have a, a healthy body, then, and a healthy mind, that's going to affect your entire life. 100%. And, you yeah. know, um, <clears throat> you know, just to even think about, you know, just taking a slice of just one thing, like for mm -hmm. most of my life, I've focused on nutrition and food. And even by changing our, our eating, we can change our mood state, we can change yep. our happiness level, we can change our outlook on life. You know, sometimes we have to actually change the building blocks of our brain, our body to cultivate these these changes, right? And so I think every choice is significant. Every single mm -hmm. choice, the choice that you're making to have a podcast with me right now, mm -hmm. the choice of how we build our days, the choice of like when we wake up, when we go to bed, mm -hmm. all of those things are having huge ripple effects. Yes. So yep. yeah, I mean, I think the power of the mind is huge. Mm -hmm. And there are enough studies to show that our mindset actually changes our decisions, changes our, our health status. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. I know. It's so funny that you said many. that because uh, on my, um, my blog, like I always, or even on the podcast, I categorize it, right? Like there's relationships, health, uh, you know, divorce, mindset, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it's all, it's all in mindset. I'm like, everything should go into the category of mindset because everything starts with your mind. Everything. A lot of it does. A lot yeah. of it does, right? And so yeah. um, having a good, healthy mind to help with mood, cognition, yeah. in order to make the choices. But, you know, I, I think for, if we think of inflammation for a second, just to kind of mm. hone in on that, there mm. was a study that showed that 
inflammation kind of promotes this sense of reactivity in the body, you know, and it makes sense, right? Because if you're inflamed, you don't feel good. You're just going to be reactive. You're not going to be able to delay gratification. How can somebody actually change their lives and change their mind if they're inflamed, if they've got Mm -hmm. or swelling in their bodies? So I do think that there's that body mind flux where we support behavior change by helping the body first and foremost. And this is why nutrition, I think, is so important. You know, and that's why I talk a lot about eating the rainbow, meaning eating all of the different colors of plants. You know, even spices, bringing in spices can help to offset inflammation. I think of turmeric, I think of ginger, you know, a lot of these things that were done culturally in many different cultures, whether Middle Eastern cultures, African, Indian, it's kind of like every culture had spices, right? Mm -hmm. I know we're diverting from melatonin here, but it's just, it it all belongs as part of the great big whole of thinking about inflammation, root causes. And melatonin, actually, one of the reasons why it started to be discussed during the pandemic with all of the talk of the immune system was also because of its connection to being an anti-inflammatory. You know, it does have the ability to quell a lot of the inflammatory cytokines and production and, again, changing that at the cellular level. So, yeah. Last I was time. I was looking on your website um and I had downloaded your your chart the colored chart which was really mm-hmm. fascinating and I think I even added your book uh what's the name of the book a whole a whole detox whole no detox. yeah yes okay yeah so that's on my Amazon store too and which I want to okay. read it yeah but I and it's it's interesting because I had gotten certified in yoga at the Chopra Center and so I learned a lot about Ayurveda and the chakras and all that fun stuff and um, so, yeah, I was like looking at the chart. I was like, oh, this is so interesting. It's yeah. just, it's, it's fascinating. Like the more you dive into chart. it. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. yeah. This chart. Yeah. yeah so I, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say everyone listening um, or watching on YouTube, you can download it on her website, uh, com, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that I think that's the key. It's like learning more about your body learning more about your mind, what, and, and everyone's going to be a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. And I I think, go ahead. And we're going to be different throughout our life stages. Like as you were talking with you being 51, you know, you start thinking about different things at 51, then you were thinking about at 21 or 31 or 41, right? So you constantly need to be thinking and reevaluating whether it's values, beliefs, behaviors, all those things you're doing. Adapting. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, for me, that's one of the reasons I really wanted to, to live in a different country, to travel, to, I've learned to become even more resilient and I've learned to adapt more to different places and people. And, and I, and I, but then I, at the same time, I'm learning to really not just like in a selfish way, just think about myself, but (laughs) focus on what Wendy needs. And like, do I, I've noticed, I love being near water. Water helps me tremendously, probably because I'm Pitta and Ayurveda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so, and I didn't realize that before. And when I lived in Phoenix, Arizona, in the desert, no wonder I was so cranky <laughs> all the time. You know, I was like, I need water. So yeah. it is, I mean, learning what makes your body happy, what makes your mind happy, all of those things come into play. And, and just learning more and more about 
I mean, there's so much great information now. I mean, it's everywhere that you can learn more about what makes you happy in life. You can. It can also yeah. be a source of stress because there is yeah. so much out there and that yeah. sometimes there are conflicting views. And so yeah. I think you kind of have to, again, if we just bring it back to nature, we bring it back to simplicity and yeah. kind of like common sense. Wendy, one yeah. of the things that I have found in working with people over the years is that most people know what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Like if you survey people, like what is the one thing you need to do to live a healthier life? Yeah. They know they're like, oh, I need to sleep better. I go to bed way too late or, oh, I need to eat better, but I just can't resist having those chicken wings when I go out, blah, blah, blah. Everybody seems to know they get a a (laughs) sense. It's just that they cannot find that way to stage their behavior into making that sustainably part of their lives. Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's a philosophical approach. It's also, you just mentioned the water element, which I really like, because if we bring it back to nature for a second you know, whether it's traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurveda or a lot of these uh, more, I would say the traditional ways of viewing the body and healing, they involve the elements, Mm -hmm. earth, air, water, fire, sometimes metal or ether, you know, there were other ones brought in, but at a very basic level, you know, too much water. We, um, you know, there's swelling in the body, there's dampness, there is like, you know, this is more of like the mold and the fungal aspects. Like if we just were to like, kind Mm -hmm. of think of these things in more of a Western mind, then the fire is all about the inflammation, too much air, you know, kind of looking at just what is in air, how are we breathing Mm. Um, and then the earth aspects, looking at the earth in terms of the soil, the terrain, the microorganisms, we're learning so much about the terrain inside. Mm. So I think, you know, elementally speaking, it's not so complicated. And, you know, I, I often say that people have it, the shiny object syndrome where you mm. feel like, oh my gosh, this is it. I need to be taking yeah. this treatment or, but then it becomes something else, you know, yeah. It, good to have curiosity. I also think sometimes those things can be distractions from doing what we really need to do. And most of us, again, I I just think that we have a pretty good intuitive sense. Yeah, for sure. And, and you have it too. I was thinking, I, I used to think that like your body would have to be perfect all the time or life would have to be perfect even. And so for example, I'm here in Malibu, we just had like huge storms. Yeah. And that's like life. You're going to have, and in your body, you're going to have times of fire and flooding and, you know, you're like too much. And then the key is just to get it back into balance and into harmony. And so in other words, be patient, be patient with yourself, whether it's going through menopause or you're going through relationship changes and empty nest, whatever it is, it'll pass, right? But the key is, is to love yourself during those times of transition and knowing that you'll get back, get back into balance. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, small steps to get back into that balance. And for some people, they just pick on, like, if we think of our lives like a web and Mm -hmm. like, if you pick up any part of the web, it's like the whole web is impacted, right? So if you work on your sleep, which is what we've been talking about a bit so far, mm-hmm. right? You work on your sleep, that's going to tug the rest of your life where now you're going to eat differently. You're going to respond differently. You're going to relate differently. You're going to rest differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to think differently. So any portal of entry, or you start to eat differently, 
now you're going to sleep differently. You're going to have different levels of melatonin, you know? So what I often say to people is just pick whatever you're most drawn to. If you want to focus on your sleep, do that. Then make that like your sole focus because it will have a ripple through effect. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what you choose, whether it's relationships, your stress level, your diet, your exercise, um, all of it is significant and part of the great big whole of who you are. Yeah. I mean, just one tiny improvement can make, like you said, it's a ripple effect. It's like a domino effect. It'll like change other things without you even having to change those areas of your life. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's just been so good. I love it. It has been. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We started with melatonin and ended with a meaning of life. And, uh, you know, kind of we did the micro, the macro, the micro, the macro. I know. (laughs) So deannaminick.com and then uh, Symphony, your products. And you have like several products with that company. We do. So if you go to Mm symphonynaturalhealth.com, you'll see them all there. And um, it's a very select I would say portfolio of products mm-hmm. and all of them are pretty specific for certain things. Like there are products for women's health. Mm-hmm. So women who are looking for menstrual cycle balance, women who are going through perimenopause and then women who are postmenopause. Then we also have products for men. So Ooh. that's, that's also in the site. We have the herbatonin, which is the plant melatonin. And we even have some, um, some Himalayan crystal salt products. So salt Ooh. is part of that hormone conversation. So yeah, everybody uh, Ooh, look check under the out. hood at all of those beautiful products. And I use them all. I use them all. Ooh, <laughs> I, didn't, I, used, I used to love sitting in salt caves, Himalayan yes. salt caves. There was one yeah. in Williamsburg, Virginia that I used to go to. And that made such a huge difference just on my inflammation and my breathing, everything. Yeah, very healing. Antimicrobial um, salt has been used for centuries, right? So, yeah. Yeah. You're such a fascinating woman. Well, thank you. I mean, thanks for asking all the, the right questions to open up the can of that conversation, right? Well, like I said, I, you know, I just asked the questions for myself and then yeah. <laughs> I just want to know for me. You know? No, all right, thank you so much. All right. Everyone thank have you. a great day and get your melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank Bye. you. Thanks. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change or spit out your coffee laughing? Good then there are three ways you can thank me. Number one, you can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three, share it with another midlifer that needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.